following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. Your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Today we have a distinguished guest, Rob Perez, who has done some amazing things in our midst. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Today. Appreciate it. Glad you're here. Um, I want to talk a little bit. You, you Locally, you've been behind the founding of uh the Saul good uh, restaurant group um and the dv8 kitchen which um is uh gonna be what we're gonna talk about is what you gave me huh? oh yeah i gotta do my psalm excuse me i was so excited about uh jumping into you uh, and and talk. There you go. We yeah. can't start without the song. Welcome, guy Huglet. Thank you. How are you? Let me do. Yeah, I've got to read my psalm. I'm all confused today. I'm excited. We got a star in our midst, and uh, I'm getting lost. So <laughs> it's uh, that James Taylor. Yeah, that's what it back. is. Telling you, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple." There we go. Yeah, we're talking. We, we got it done. Okay, let's go back to Rob. Rob, um, we got to know you because uh, our children went to school together, and uh, um, I've come to uh, admire your flair for the entrepreneurial and the culinary, but. Uh, you didn't just appear here. Uh, you you have a, a history of your own, and uh, let's talk a little bit about that. You grew up in California, uh, and just just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Central California. I'm a farm kid. Uh, interesting enough, my mom was the daughter of a of a small farmer, and my father uh, was the son of a migrant farm worker. Really. And, excuse me, and that is um, kind of how the, the whole thing started. They were in their high school years, and they got a job at a packing shed. And a packing shed is where you bring all the fruit, and you put it in boxes, and you ship it off to the market, right? And so that's where they met. And uh, I thought I was going to be a farmer. And uh, then I realized literally over the course of a week that I, <laughs> I didn't like to be alone. I didn't like to be dirty and I didn't <laughs> like to wake up early. Uh. And that's kind of a problem if you're a farmer. Yeah. Yeah. So Just a little. Uh, at 19, I tried to find myself and basically I got a job at a restaurant. And the cool part about that restaurant job is, is they said, hey, look, um, we'd like to introduce you a few people before, you know, we kind of get you trained. And. Uh, the very first thing that they did is march me up to the host stand, and there was this hot uh, 17-year-old hostess. And <laughs> I'm like, this isn't going to be bad. Uh, I've been married to her for 31 years now, that little hostess. Oh, All right. Yeah. What a story. That's pretty cool, huh? And yeah. so I literally found a career in the woman I want to spend eternity with That's all great. on the same day, and it was a pretty good decision to leave farming. This was in what? 
city in California? This was in Fresno, California. Fresno. Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. So you come from Fresno, uh, but you've done some other things on the way. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. There's the, the that that Disney thing. Yeah. Uh, well, I made my way up through the ranks of staff in that restaurant that I told you about in Fresno, and I transferred a couple of times to different places in California with that restaurant. And the president of that company noticed that I was enthusiastic, I think, and he got hired at the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh-huh. And at the time, there was only six restaurants, and <laughs> I I was enamored by, you know, the big city and uh, how cool that seemed. And at the time, it was pretty cool. And uh, he offered me an opportunity to go to New York City and interview, and they offered me a job in Dallas, Texas. And I got to grow uh, on the operational side with Hard Rock Cafe and Five years into my career there, they offered me an opportunity that I didn't deserve, didn't know how to do, but we were growing so fast, they were giving people opportunities. They offered an opportunity for me to go and try to uh, assist in the development. So I would go and look for a space, negotiate a lease, literally organize an opening, uh, manage the, the construction, and literally execute all the training um, oversee the grand openings of Hard Rock Cafes and then open them up and pass them on to the operational team. Really? Yeah, it was pretty great. My very first one was actually in 1994 in Nashville, Tennessee, of all places, uh-huh. right at Second and Broad. And then um, the president of that company after 10 years, who originally started at Disney, um, he was the CEO of Hard Rock. So does Disney own Hard Rock? No, sir. Okay. No, sir. But they they recruited a Disney executive to become the CEO of, of Hard Rock, and he was yeah. there for three years. Right. And then he uh, got offered to go back and head up a division at Disney, and he asked if I would come along. And sure. so we... Uh, I, I tell people that we were in charge of, you know, finding executives, uh, office space, um, really concepts to build and trash cans along the way. And I kind of was uh, on the ground floor of that. And that was really great. Yeah. And then I migrated mostly onto a project called ESPN Zone. So um, yeah. I went from music that I loved to sports that I loved in an environment of food that was really, really cool. And uh I got a chance to build the business plan, uh, try to figure out uh, what people would like, and we ended up building 10 of those, and it was really amazing. The, the ESPN zones? Yes, sir. Hey, Rob, tell us a little bit about the ESPN zone, though, how that got started. That That's kind of an interesting story, isn't it? Yeah, so um, the way that Disney worked under Michael Eisner was just unbelievable. So they were contemplating the purchase of ABC, and he had a habit of bringing in all of his executives before a purchase so that they could figure out how to brainstorm and how to make the most out of any sale. Before they purchased it, they went through all of ABC's assets. One of the little-known assets was that, uh, that ABC owned 80% of ESPN, and they thought that that was the least of least important mm-hmm. of the piece but they thought well maybe there's some there is some brand ac- equity how do we leverage that and literally 2 weeks before they purchased abc they called up what eventually was my boss at hard rock mm-hmm. and says can we leverage what you do at hard rock with the brand espn and can we do it and they created 15 things to extend the brand two weeks before they even purchased really? it. Really? And by the time they purchased it, they had hired my boss. Within a couple of weeks, they had hired me. And literally, uh, it all came out of that. And now, I don't know what the valuation is, but I'd be surprised if ESPN wasn't worth several hundred times what ABC's worth. Right. You know? Yeah, probably. Probably, yeah. Wow. In the ESPN zone, the whole brand story behind what they do at the ESPN, I mean, it's not just a sports bar. It's an experience. Yeah, so we tried to figure out how to not only give a great, credible dining experience. I mean, we had full-on chefs, right? Uh, But we also tried to put uh, people that were interested in sports casting into a dining area that was all about sports casting. Secondly, we 
separated out the idea that if you wanted to watch a game, you needed to see it. Like literally I spent three days and all I did, this is before computers and internet. I, I went to the library and got one year's worth of TV guides. (laughs) And I literally sat down with every sporting event over the course of a year to determine how many screens we needed to have. Yeah. So we determined that we needed to have 13 screens to be able to 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 play everything and then I realized that there was dead spots and I realized yeah. that man November when hockey and basketball and college basketball and football and college football are going on man you need a lot of screens right uh-huh. uh and it was it was just that you know down in the dirt put your hands in the soil kind of thing and it was just so fun to try to figure out all so that. you were back to farming yeah, exactly. Well, the analogies uh, don't go far away from the boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what's interesting about that story is you're you were at the ground floor of developing that whole concept. Yeah. I, I mean, all along really? the way, uh, and going back to farming, all along the way, I've been blessed. And the reality of it is, is that I was lucky enough to be put in a position where my background perfectly fit. Yeah. And my background was farming. And I think that my calling card throughout my career has been that I'm not afraid to work hard. I'll work harder, longer, more physical than anybody. And I'm not afraid of the blue collar work, but I was blessed, you know, genetically to be a thinker and and to be curious about stuff and yeah. just say, screw it, let's do it. You know, I don't know what we're doing, but I'm gonna try. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of having that blue collar, white collar, you know, toggle switch has been really, really great for my career. That's great. Stay with us. We're taking a break here. It is the Tom Dupree show with our special guest, Rob Perez of Deviate Kitchen. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Real stories. Iran. China. Mueller should testify. Attorney General Barr. Border security. Happening in real time. Information that is soft. This is real life. Real people. This is News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A fiduciary is a person or organization that owes to another the duties of good faith and trust. It is the highest legal duty of one party to another, and it means being bound ethically to act in the other's best interests. At Dupree Financial Group, we act as a fiduciary to our clients when managing their investments. This means simply that we put their interests first. We accept no commissions or transaction fees, only an asset-based percentage fee of our clients' assets, which directly aligns our interests with theirs. Think about it. A financial advisor who does well when you do well. If you'd like to know more about how this might work for you, give us a call at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation meeting and a discussion of your account. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Got Rob Perez sitting in with us. Rob, you've done so many things. It's fascinating, but you've ended up here in the bluegrass. You want to talk a little more about some of the background, uh, Guy? Where, where, yeah, where we I, go here? Rob, you know, your career has been pretty spectacular for me to, to learn more about you, but you ended up in Lexington, Kentucky. I mean, now really, you're out in the, I guess, when you were at the ESPN Zone, were you in New York? Or Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were in the. Wow. Mm. How how does Rob Perez end up here? Well, um, everybody's career ebbs and flows, right? Right. Well, what happened to me is is that there was a a, a phenomenon called nine eleven. And 9-11 changed everything in the business that I was in. And if you had, you know, kind of a pecking order of what people considered to be the top of the food chain, literally in the food chain, in the food business, it, it was theme restaurants. And in one, you know, terrible day, it changed. Yeah. 
we went from big and flashy to down home and authentic and farm to table. And I felt as though I could have had my pick of jobs before 9-11 and after 9-11. Really, I was antiquated. I was not fashionable. I didn't have anybody that really wanted to hire me because they thought that I had too many assistants, too many people in between me. I wasn't close enough to the ground. I wasn't in touch with either people or food. And it was a difficult transition. And uh, I had to find myself and I had to rebrand myself and I had to figure out how to really survive because I couldn't in Los Angeles without a job. And so it led me to New Orleans for a year and a half where I worked with a restaurant group there. And then the hope in my mind was to move someplace that we wanted to be um, and open up our own restaurant. And my wife was a flight attendant for 12 years, and we had happened to come to Lexington um, like three times. And one time over Christmas, and there was snow on the ground, and the only thing was open was Joe Bologna's. Really? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, oh, and we great. had we stayed at the Hyatt, and we walked around. All we did was walk in the snow. And I remember, you know, looking at her and she looking at me going, I think we could live here. Like, I don't, I've not been to too many places that we could live. Well, God's good. And, you know, I got an opportunity to come on board with Thomas and King here. Out of the blue, I got a candidate, you know, referral call. And I took a job here. And uh, we knew that this was a place that maybe I could have a career. And if that didn't work out, I definitely could probably figure out how to grow restaurants for ourselves. And that's what happened. And Thomas and King, so... Applebee's. Applebee's, one of the largest franchise. Yeah, it was the third largest franchise group in the Applebee's banner when I was there. Yeah, yeah. local guy, Mike Scanlon. He was our vice mayor. Yes, sir. Councilman at large. Mm -hmm. You know, what a story. Yeah. And then he recruits Rob Perez. Right. And his wife. Oh, yeah. And yes, we. where's Diane from, by the way? Uh, Fresno, California. She's Fresno, California. Yeah, yep. of course. She was, yep. she was the hostess at yep. the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. And so here you are. Well, I remember how I first met you. Yes, sir. So you had he, you had um, left Applebee's. Yes, sir. You were starting your new restaurant, Saul Good. Yes, sir. And somebody, I think, that was important in that endeavor knew me real well and said, you need to meet this guy. Yep. And yep, you yep. called me just out of the clear blue that day. Yeah. And and we talked. You remember that? Yes, sir. And the next thing you know, I'm bringing a group of guys to have lunch every day at your very first restaurant out there. You, that went on for a long, long time. Yeah. You know. It's all good, which brought us chicken and waffles. Uh, yeah. Uh, first place where you could get fried chicken and waffles. You know, both uh, Hugh Glitz and the, and the Duprees have been really good to us. I mean, <laughs> honestly, think about all the times that we just chatted and got to know each other when we right. first opened up the the Saul Good at Fayette Mall. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what Lexington and the bluegrass really is. I mean, you get interested, fun, engaging people that just support each other. Yeah. And that's what you guys did. I mean, we couldn't have done it with people without people like you. I mean, we're really, really blessed to have you all. Well, you know, it speaks to what this community is about. It's special. I love talking about it. I mean, mm-hmm. we, this, anybody that has left this community, they always want to come back. Right. And I think you guys, we're blessed that God delivered you all to us. Oh, you're kind. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Overblowing that, you, but thank you. Well, <laughs> listen, I've, I've, I've been watching you all. You're special. Tell us about Saul Good, how that got started. That's that's an interesting story. It sure in is. Itself. Yeah, so um, I was uh, in Chicago in the Hancock building, and we were doing um, research for what was going to be ESPN Zone. And they do two different groups with the same people where they, unaided, where they don't tell them what they're studying. They asked, if we were going to build a restaurant, what would you want? And this is in Chicago. And everybody said, well, whatever you do, don't build a sports bar. (laughs) And we're like, oh, crap. (laughs) Like, literally. Wait a minute. And the, and we said, well, well, why? Why not? 
They said because now everybody's a sports bar. Chili's is now a sports bar and Applebee's is a sports bar. And the women of the group were adamant about not wanting a sports bar. Right. And um, we started to ask questions about that. And it was because there was a direct correlation between the number and the size of the screen during a, a meal period and the lack of interaction between her and her family. Yeah, because everybody's watching mm-hmm. the game. It, it boiled yeah. down to exactly that. Okay, so then the second half of the focus groups were aided questions. So if we had the banner, the shingle, ESPN outside, what would you think about a restaurant with that name? Oh, my goodness, that's the best idea I've ever heard in my entire life. You've got to do it. It's the coolest thing, you know. And so it was a really kind of schizophrenic kind uh-huh. of experience. Sure. But I never forgot it. Right. I I sat there and I went, my goodness, is that really what people are wanting? Anything but a sports bar? And then I found this interesting fact that 76% of all dining decisions are made by women. And I thought, take note, golly, this is something that I think we should explore. And that was the genesis of trying to figure out how to have a, a, a casual dining experience that didn't make the woman feel completely uncomfortable. And so that was the premise of the whole uh, uh, Saul Good, and that's where we started. And so genius. Was it a takeoff on It's All Good? Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I, as you can see, we kind of like the double entendre. <laughs> yeah, deviate kitchen, yeah. deviate DVA. from your past lifestyle. Yeah. Saul Good, and yeah. then we're you know doing this uh, adjunct called Soulful Enterprises. So Soulful, and you've got that soulful great soul, and yeah, yeah, a great story on the menu. You know, yeah, and, I, I love it. Well, love and it. and interesting enough, uh, my parents were introduced to. Uh, to each other from a family that owned this packing shed and guess who helps me with my name and all of our graphics the son of the people that introduced my family really? my mom and dad to each other and so uh they're in california and their advertising company is called farm fresh and he is literally three months younger than me and we have pictures of us in a bassinet and i oh. talk to him almost five times a week it's so, so good it's pretty cool and you brought chicken and waffles to Lexington, Kentucky. I'd, I'd never heard of chicken and waffles until Saul Good opened. Now everybody's trying to do it. Oh, yeah. It was pretty funny when we put that on the menu. You should have heard some of the comments. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll uh, we're going to talk a little more about uh, what you're doing currently uh, when we come back. And uh, it's going to be interesting uh, because we have an opioid crisis in central Kentucky and you're addressing it, which is wonderful. Stay with us. You are listening to the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP. Did you know that one in eight Americans struggle with hunger? Yet more than 40% of the food we produce is thrown out. At Kroger, we know we can do something about this. We're donating more food to local food banks through our partnership with Feeding America. And we're working with World Wildlife Fund to end food waste. But we can't do it alone. And we hope you'll join us in creating a world with zero hunger and zero waste. Visit thekrogerco.com to learn how you can help. Get ready to experience Keeneland like never before. Introducing Railbird, August 10th and 11th in Lexington, Kentucky. See the Tours, Hosier, Tyler Childers, Brandy Carlisle, and over 30 acts on the grounds of Keeneland. Also featuring live off-track betting, curated bourbon, equine culture, and more. Tickets on sale now at railbirdfest.com. Railbird, August 10th and 11th, Lexington, Kentucky. Get in the action at railbirdfest.com. 
If you're itching to shake off the winter blues, jump headfirst into spring at Kentucky's diverse state parks. Enjoy full-service resort lodges, cozy cottages, and scenic campsites for your whole crew, or just for two, plus top-rated golf courses and breathtaking lakes, perfect for exhilarating adventures or peaceful escapes. Put a little spring back in your step in the bluegrass state. Plan your Kentucky State Parks getaway today at parks.ky.gov. Missouri becomes the latest state about to put together restrictions on abortion that are tougher. Missouri's governor saying that he'll sign a bill passed by the state house and Senate that bans abortions after eight weeks of pregnancy. The Democratic presidential candidates are paying attention. Many of the candidates are now looking beyond the courts to try and protect abortion rights. Elizabeth Warren became the latest candidate to call for legislation to try and preempt states from restricting access to abortions. This is sure to be a big issue. Missouri's bill comes just days after Alabama passed a near total abortion ban. In California, Sacramento police investigating a shooting overnight at an apartment complex, killing one person, leaving three others, including a four-year-old boy injured. That boy in stable condition, the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office saying they believe the shooting was a targeted act of violence. The five suspects are still at large. Tornadoes tearing through the heartland, 34 reported across four Midwestern states. There have been no reports of injuries. Dave Packer, ABC News. We've got a mix of sunny clouds across the region on your Saturday. A couple of thunderstorms joining the summer-like fun this afternoon. Highs in the middle 80s. Late-day thunderstorm possible to wrap up your weekend on Sunday. Ahead of those storms, 80 to 85, and a few of the storms Sunday evening could be strong. A little better weather Friday at 80 on Monday. Make it a great weekend. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Do you suffer from chronic knee pain? Does throbbing, stabbing, or debilitating pain keep you from the activities you enjoy? Have you been told you need surgery or a knee replacement? At the Arthritis and Knee Pain Center of Lexington, we have helped thousands of patients just like you. We are now accepting new patients for our FDA-approved non-surgical knee pain treatments. Our cushioning high-tech gel treatments are laser-guided to deliver medicine to the part of the knee where it will do the most good. This ensures effective pain relief and fast recovery without surgery. If other treatments have failed you, we can probably help. Treatment is covered by Medicare and most medical insurances. Call now to take advantage of our no-charge screening. There is no obligation, and the only thing you have to lose is your pain. Space is limited, so call now, 855-504-KNEE. In Lexington, that's 855-504-KNEE. Don't wait another day. Let the Arthritis and Knee Pain Center relieve your chronic knee pain. Call now, 855-504-KNEE. Summer starts here at Kentucky's number one Toyota dealer, Green's Toyota. During our huge Memorial Day sale going on now. With special savings on our most popular models. So hurry into your dealer of choice for over 50 years. Green's. 630 WLAP. The Cat Back on the Tom Dupree Show with Rob Perez. Um, Rob, uh, you know, you've started a a new undertaking, you and Diane, and I think this idea kind of came from from your wife, uh, or at least a lot of the push for it did, from what I'm told or from what I've read. It was none of my idea. I, matter of fact, said it was the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And I pushed back. There you go. Right. Um, My wife basically tried to use five or six levers on me to convince me to open up Deviate, which, you know, in the first conversations were, you know, we've been blessed and, um, you know, we should probably consider opening up a restaurant that's a social enterprise. And I said, oh, that's kind of interesting. What would be our social impact? And she says, well, you know, you're, uh, you're an alcoholic addict, so why don't we do something with uh, recovery and offer people an opportunity to have a job in early stages of recovery? And I said, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll never do that. That's the <laughs> dumbest idea I've ever heard in my entire life. You can't employ people 
an addiction. And she goes, what are you talking about? And I said, I've tried. About every month uh, from the time we started opening up Saul Good, you know, I had a heart for addiction and I wanted to try to help. There's always someone coming into a restaurant saying, hey, look, I don't have very good job history, but I'm clean now and I'm ready for a job. All I need is a chance. Well, I'd always give folks a chance like that. I figured, you know, that's that's what I have to do to give back. But I hadn't had great success. And so I use that as the basis of telling Diane that you can't you can't really open up a restaurant that does that because you'll never ever be able to pay the bills. A social enterprise, honestly, is just a for-profit business with a fancier name that costs a lot of profit. Right. right. And if your business is is the most successful restaurant businesses are a 10% business basically, you know, on average. And so if you're going to hire someone that keeps on being cyclical and you have training dollars and all that kind of stuff that keeps on going out the door, you can't make it work. Right. And so I said, no. So to her credit, a couple months later, she goes, Hey, have you noticed we've lost so many people? I go, what are you talking about? She goes, well, within the three saw goods over the course of, eight years we've lost 12 people and it's not because we fired them it's because they're dead gosh and she goes don't you think we should try the social enterprise because of that and i said no (laughs) i mean that's tragic but this is not a tool to fix it and to her credit she kind of let it die and then um She woke me up one morning and said, hey, um, I need that woman's address. And I go, what are you talking about? She says, the woman you fired for doing heroin in our bathroom, I want her address. And I'm like, why do you want her address? She says, well, I want to go find out why. How bad is it that you have to go do heroin in the middle of a shift? Take that chance. Mm Mm-hmm. How bad is it that I see her bright-eyed one-year-old boy and how much she loves him? And I don't understand how a mom could have something that is so bad for you interfere with the relationship of a, of a mother and, and a beautiful baby boy. Yeah. And she says, I need to go find out why. And I'm like, no, you have a responsibility to me this family yeah and that's too dangerous it's it's uncool no well it turns into a debate and boom i pulled out the big guns says in the bible that i'm the head of this household you aren't going to go anywhere how do you think that went oh my yeah that's not (laughs) she was gone in about 30 seconds oh my and literally she uh came back and i was mad and uh I, I was avoiding her, and she says, so, you want to hear how it went? I said, no, I don't. And pretty soon she'd be following me, and she says, hey, I got an idea. I go, what's the idea? She says, look, she's lovely. I love her. She's wonderful, magic, charismatic, wonderful. I want to be her friend. I said, okay, well, we got to figure out ground rules, but if you want to be her friend, you can. She goes, well, I want you to be her friend too. And I'll tell you what, I want you to rehire her. And I said, Diane, you know we brought in the police to, to like question people when we found a spoon and a ramekin that she cooked her heroin in, mm-hmm. in our bathroom. Mm. Do you understand that if the alcohol beverage control department found out that we allowed someone to come back in, I think it put our liquor license at peril. She, I said, can you believe that we're going to be able to tell our staff members and is this the right thing for her business? Do you really believe that that's the right thing to do? She says, for her it is. She's worth it. One person's life is worth it. That's right. And I said, why would I do that? She says, well, I think you should probably consider having an accountability partnership with her. She says, what if you set it up where you said, look, are you clean? Yep. 
promise. Yep. Mm. If you stay clean, you can have a job. Yep. Okay, great. You get tips every day. Give me those tips. Diane says, I'll find out her bills. I'll find out her, I'll meet her landlord. I'll go try to make uh, introductions with her family and we'll build an accountability relationship as well as a friend relationship. And I'm like, and I don't want to get a divorce, so I said yes. <laughs> and so um, this went on for seven months, and it was awesome. I love her. She's smart, witty, interesting, intelligent. And, you know, we'd have a, a family meal once or twice a month. We'd go to church with her once or twice a month. Um, our kids or I watched uh, her son when she couldn't find you know, uh, someone to watch, uh, her son while she worked. And it was great until seven months into it. And we get a call from her landlord and says, Hey, there's something weird. I haven't been paid for two months. And she has all kinds of crazy stories. We basically had an intervention and found out that unfortunately she was using, and unfortunately even more for my heart, she was using the whole time. Yeah. And, uh, good news is she got, uh, to rehab and that was really a, a great thing, and she was awesome in it. And after six months, uh, her particular program asked them to go out and get jobs, even though they are staying in the residential living facility for the next six months. Um, and uh, they would work their program basically at night, but they would work during the day and start paying for some of their tuition in, in the residential living facility. And uh, no one would hire her. Yeah. And then finally, a fancy urban supermarket hired her and basically fired her when they got uh, back her her background check. Yeah. And it rocked her. And uh, it broke her heart. And she went back into the restaurant industry uh, just because she had to have money. And uh, that was tough. Downtown Louisville, uh, the lifestyle, it was rough. Yeah. So that was a big lever that Diane uh, showed me. Did she that make led it? Us. Did she make it, or is she? Uh, she's she's out there, you Today. know, okay. using. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. let's talk about DVA. We we've got only about another eighteen minutes, and not even that. But I want to talk about you know the the thing that that has happened as a result of this that because you were talking about how you didn't think it would be a good investment and, and that kind of thing. And, um, so jump from that story to what you've finally come to build. Well, the overarching idea is, and the, and the really the motivation was, is that Diane's heart and it's through her faith that she was willing to open up this restaurant and risk everything. And she didn't care if she lost everything. And it was her attitude with the woman that we had in our restaurant that did heroin to save one and leave the 99, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and my faith compared to hers is not strong. I wanted a five-year financial business plan on how to figure out how to make it work. And so literally, I took what her heart was, and I tried to uh, apply all the business acumen that I could to trying to predict different results in hiring someone. And we've defined and systemized and uh, built strategies and tactics to try to change the results of what a business can do when hiring someone in the past of addiction. First and foremost, we identified that we wanted to hire someone that was in recovery. And we wanted to figure out how to verify recovery. And we came to the conclusion that the best option for us to make sure that we knew that someone was clean and, this is important, that we were restaurant managers and we were going to stay in our own lane. But we needed some healthcare professionals, recovery professionals to come alongside of us. So we came up with the idea that we were going to hire exclusively from residential living facilities. They have a house, which is important. They have shelter, consistent. They are tested, drug and alcohol tested, either weekly or randomly. And they're working a behavior modification program. So they're really working on themselves. Yes. 
And so uh, I was with Jared Thomas, the executive director of the Shepherd's House, and I, I said, you know, I we'd kind of looked over a bunch of restaurants that did second chances in America, maybe 20 of them, and all of them said, I wish that we had the ability to drug test and have the social worker, and but we could never afford it. None of them had access. All of the 20 didn't have access to it, but they wanted it. And I said, I just saw a social, what looked like a social worker taking a guy in the bathroom to do testing. Is that what was going on? He goes, yeah. Yep. And uh-huh. I said, is there any way I could get you to allow me to hire your clients? And if I hire them. Can we get the information for their testing and their program and know if they're a solid citizen living in this house? Because we think those are the three important things to change. He says, yeah, I got a document I can craft right now. Yeah. I go, are you kidding? He goes, no. Changed everything. How so, about that? So D, let, let's talk about DV8 Kitchen for, for a minute. What it really is. It, so I come in just off the street i don't even know what you're doing i, I just i just see dva kitchen what, what where is it what do i get yep so uh we're on south broadway uh close to the intersection of uh, virginia and red mile mm-hmm. and we offer up homemade mm-hmm. fresh small back batch baking and we turned it into some amazing sandwiches, breakfasts, and lunches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our bakery every day makes brioche buns, sourdough bread, 12-grain bread, cinnamon rolls that are to die for, yeah. croissants, and southern biscuits. And then we serve um, an assortment of sandwiches, everything from a burger that we call the best burger in town, and I think it is, uh, to... Uh, to things like huevos ranchero sandwiches, uh, to grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Outstanding, <laughs> by the way. And then we do a whole series of Benedicts uh, that are really tasty, a Southern Benedict with uh, with fried green tomatoes. And right now we're running a special, which is a lobster Benedict. Uh, but we do salads, tacos, and uh, I think we do them well. Do them all well. Cinnamon roll that'll change your life. Yeah. Yeah. And our job is to try to convince our staff members that we've got to do it 20% better than our competition. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's our obligation to do that, to try to earn the profit in order to employ them, but also employ them in a way that they make 20% more than our competition. Right. Because they are that better. Here's the thing I love. When you go into DV8, the general public doesn't really know what Rob's doing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They don't have really any idea unless they've done their own research. But there is a spirit of gratitude because if you, there's nothing better than the second chance worker that is in recovery that has this attitude of gratitude, and they're so grateful that they get this chance to get their life back together, and they have that support all around them they've got their peers people just like them same challenges and battles that they have living sober daily helping each other and the customer service is unbelievable because they're all so happy and full of joy and peace and thankfulness for the opportunity to get their lives back that's the experience of dva i'll tell you they inspire me every single day and uh, I'm super proud of them. And to brag on them, three months ago, we got a notice from Yelp. And Yelp is the largest uh, website or uh, internet-based um, guest satisfaction uh, group ever. And uh, they sent a note saying, hey, we did an analysis of all the independent restaurants in America and your staff members earn the distinction of the 40th best independent restaurant in America. Oh, it's really? incredible. And that is oh. with 23 of 24 people in early stages of recovery that most people won't hire. Wow. Right. I got to take a break here. It is the Tom Dupree Show with Rob Perez sitting in with us. News Radio 630 WLAP. 
So we have things happening. The question is where? China, North Korea, in Venezuela, the border, Russia. It will happen. And when it does, it's happening. It'll happen. It's moving right here. On News Radio 630, WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A fiduciary is a person or organization that owes to another the duties of good faith and trust. It is the highest legal duty of one party to another, and it means being bound ethically to act in the other's best interests. At Dupree Financial Group, we act as a fiduciary to our clients when managing their investments. This means simply that we put their interests first. We accept no commissions or transaction fees, only an asset-based percentage fee of our clients' assets, which directly aligns our interests with theirs. Think about it. A financial advisor who does well when you do well. If you'd like to know more about how this might work for you, give us a call at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation meeting and a discussion of your account. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show, Rob Perez uh, sitting in with us this morning talking about dv8 kitchen 40th best restaurant in the country i mean and this was something you didn't want to do didn't think was a good idea yeah i thought it was a terrible idea but i'll tell you what i'm i'm probably no different than anybody the stigma that we have against addiction is automatic and systematic in our head Mm -hmm. we don't think much about it And um, when I really started to contemplate and tear this all apart, what broke my heart was the way that society eliminates opportunity from folks that are, you know, entering recovery or leaving incarceration. And the opportunities are very slim. When someone gets out of jail or into recovery, there's not a chance to have any job. There's a chance to have a tiny segment of jobs that are willing to give you a shot, like maybe a restaurant, and it's always at a lower rate. And frequently, those jobs aren't available to someone that has a, you know, a felony. And I didn't know it before this, but if you have a felony, you can't get an apartment without special dispensation here. Really? And oh, by the way, yeah. I didn't know that if you had a felony that that you can't even vote. You have no representation in the Commonwealth right. of Kentucky. And uh, once and that started, doesn't go away either. No, no, yeah. Then. It's basically, you have to have a pardon from the governor to be able to vote again. And so um, I didn't realize that I was walking around this earth completely blind to the fact that we were really preventing people from any opportunity to really heal and to be, you know, productive members of society right. because we keep on keeping them down with the systems in our thought process. Yeah. And what Rob's doing is he's really changing the culture because, look, we've got incredibly low unemployment right now and all your people are struggling to find workers. Mm-hmm. We have no pool left. We have to start hiring people that need a second chance. And you're really kind of setting the stage. Here's another interesting thing I'd like you to talk about is how this community came around you and supported you with this endeavor. I mean, you didn't just do this for nothing. You had to raise money. Tell, tell that story about how you did that. With- so um, I had an incredible experience with a businessman that wants to be anonymous here that offered us the, um, the restaurant, yeah. like literally. And said, look, I, I don't care if you just take it over, but you got to do good. And uh, I told him what we were thinking, and he said, give me a dollar. And he basically turned that restaurant over to me for a dollar. You can't and, make this uh, up. And so uh, so we had to re- com- completely redo it. I, I did a budget. It looked like about $350,000 that we needed to raise. Uh, and we had to start paying rent to a, a third party, not the gentleman that gave us the restaurant, but but in four and a half months. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, we have to open up. All we had was a logo and an idea. So in four and a half months, we had to try to conceive it, pay for it, and open it. Well, 
I, I figured, well, let's try to raise it with a social investment. So my pitch was this. I went to 25 families and I said, hey, look, I'm looking for a social investment to start this this restaurant that employs people in uh, in recovery. And my hope is, is that we could maybe pay you back in five years. I basically want an interest-free loan for five years. <laughs> and, you know, I got to tell you that, we are going to employ people that are going to cost more money, and typically they're, they turn over and it's expensive. And did I tell you that even without this social impact, that, that, that seven out of 10 restaurants in America fail before their third anniversary? What about that $10,000 investment again? <laughs> yeah. So it didn't take, so I, we needed uh, a quarter million dollars, and in seven and a half weeks, we had $300,000. Wow. Because that is the kind of people and heart that is in the bluegrass. That's great. And uh, it's been like that all along the way. Every week we have a community member come in and spend an hour in a group setting with our staff to share their stories, their profession, their hobbies, motivate them. And we have this team meeting. I have a waiting list of people that want to do it. And we're talking people that are busy, successful, cool, just bare their soul to our staff. It's unbelievable. And I could keep on going on and on and on about how wonderful Lexington's been about contributing. This isn't Diane and Rob's restaurant. This is the people of Lexington and the Bluegrass restaurant. Absolutely. That's, That's right. Fantastic. So let's not forget about Saul Good either. We got th- th- those are still going, and and we got to keep them going good too. Yeah, yeah. Let's tell uh, tell everybody that we <laughs> that's where we uh, pay our bills, yeah, right? Fill our right. hearts up at, at DV8, and we want to keep on doing both. Yeah, exactly. Well, great, great story. You know, it it just it gives me so much hope, Rob, that you know God is real. And, and if right. anybody out there listening is struggling with that, this story in itself is proof. Yes. I mean, you cannot make this up. You cannot have the success that DV8 has had. And, I mean, this is game changer, y'all. This is You're setting the stage for this to happen in every community in this country. And that's why it's so great to live yeah, I think in it, the United I think States of America. <laughs> I think it's a good template for that kind of thing happen in other places yeah we're hoping that every business decides to hire one person in recovery and we make this part of our culture yeah very good thank you Rob thank you for being here today it's absolutely my pleasure thank you yeah you're heading off to the farmer's market I guess yeah we're all set up and fired up we're gonna sell some jam and we're gonna sell some bread can't wait news radio 630 WLAP when you give me